Hello and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I'm Christian Jack. On this week's show, we will look back at the four games this past weekend and we had some great matches and get you set for a busy week ahead in the Canadian Premier League. Canada also one week away and we'll start ramping up our pretty much all our content around that in a week's time. As usual, delighted to join by Marty Thompson and Charlie O'Connor-Clark. Benedict is in some, I don't know, economics class or something uh, <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now. Uh, so uh, we brought the weatherman himself, Adam Jenkins, <laughs> into our show. Adam, good morning. How are you, mate? I've said this time and time again, I didn't think the amount of ground school work that I do as I'm working for my pilot's license would come in handy, but apparently I need to be able to read <laughs> radars and protect the weather. So... Yeah, like I, I just want to express my condolences. I'm really disappointed to hear that we had to sack Benedict after he showed up to last week's <laughs> podcast, which what I assume was a trumpet with a couple of <laughs> no, we jammed in the bell. Um, so look, it was a change that needed to be made. I'm I'm hoping to channel my inner Benedict and, and do a great job. But look, if this is the epitome of longtime listener, first time caller. You guys know I'm a fan of you and a fan of the podcast. So I'm looking forward to this. No, Adam, we went over there yesterday and he had he had like, you know, the like the old movies would have like the tin can yeah. with a string, another tin can that you tried in real life and it never worked. He had that. So uh, that checks out, Marty. That checks out. Marty went back, um, literally our own Marty went back to Back to the Future to Benedict's house and uh, figured out that he was broadcasting from 1985 <laughs> so we're hopeful that 2021 will join us next week when he rejoins us as well uh but adam always a pleasure to have you on we're massive fans as you uh of you as well uh so thanks for joining us uh schedule quirk saw four teams in the west side this week play four teams in the east uh they went head to head and you may have thought heading into the weekend that the west was the best but after all the four teams i combined to beat them Boy, oh boy, the beasts in the East came out on this weekend. We're going to get into this. The scorelines were Halifax Wanderers 1, FC Edmonton 0, Atletico Ottawa 3, Cavalry 1, Forge beat Pacific 2-1 in the heavyweight clash of the nightcap. And on Sunday, York United came from behind to beat Vala and Phil De Santos by two goals to one. We'll hit all the storylines. But we start at the Wanderers grounds on Saturday at the come on match of the week. I was in studio. Adam was commentating and you boys were covering it. In the end, Charlie, I'll go to you first for this. You were covering it for us. Not a classic by any means, but just a game that Stephen Hart's team just simply had to win. Eight games unbeaten yeah. now, but only three wins during that point. An enormous three points for them. Yeah, I think really when I when I look at it now, I think this basically went almost exactly to plan for Halifax because they knew that they played that really big emotional game midweek in the Canadian Championship against Montreal. That was 90 plus minutes of very intense football and you know a lot of emotions coming out of that and they knew that this was going to be a tough ask even you know even at home they didn't travel but just to play to play these 90 minutes in a game where they again really needed the result for the playoff race they knew they were going to tire in the second half and they absolutely did uh but i think when they went into this game all they would have said would be all right let's try and score a goal fairly early let's get on the board and then just do what we can to try and hold on to that lead and that's exactly what happened. You know, Joe Amorelli scores the goal, as he always seems to at the moment. Um, they had a few more chances. Maybe they would have liked to finish those. But, yeah, the second half, Halifax clearly completely gassed. A lot of players that have played 90 minutes maybe every three days for the last couple of weeks still on the pitch for this one. And, I, I mean, you can say a lot of good things about Edmonton in the way that they tried to press Halifax and, you know, put them under pressure. But... At the end of the day, Halifax didn't break, and that's probably as much as they could have asked for. 
Yeah, no Dona, no Ruby, no Jafraud, amongst others. Went to a back four, really, by necessity, because they couldn't really mm -hmm. play any of the defenders on the pitch. Santos was very good as well. Um, Adam Morelli scored again. It wasn't a classic performance from him, but you've covered him a lot this year. You've commentated a lot on his goals. Uh, there's that spot in English where we call it that, that, that term Johnny on the spot. This is Jow yeah. on the spot. Just finds <laughs> a way to score goals. Um, and again, just a simple place to put it in. Bad goal for Edmonton at that time to give up the way they did it. But um, again, Morelli just keeps carrying this team offensively on his back, Adam. Yeah, I think Humi, without knowing, saved me because I had Joao Owao on deck for a good goal, <laughs> and then he just jumped in with his analysis right away. So we didn't get to hear that one. <laughs> but we do but, here. You saved the best for here. I that's love it. true. I, I always come with presents, KJ. I never come to a party on a empty-handed. But you're right. right. He just continues to do what he shouldn't need to do, and it's almost like um, – a lot of the gaffers have like their go-to lines or themes you expect to hear from them. And at this point with Hardy, it's just, yeah, yeah he's scoring and it's great, but can someone else for the love of God, please just <laughs> score a goal too? Yeah. Because yeah. that is, that's what they're missing right now. And it's good until it stops working. And if Morelli just gets shut down, if they put three men on him, for example, in a playoff game and no one else can step up, then they're in trouble. But I don't think you can say enough about the player. Obviously, I think we're starting to unfortunately realize that Akeem Garcia may be more like what we're seeing right now than what we saw from him in 2020. Mm. But Alex Marshall had another great game. He's, I think, the player on that team that goes with, with the least amount of praise when he deserves it. He's just so creative. And there's a lot of tools there. There's a lot of things that are that are right for them. And as you mentioned, KJ, the squad rotation, and Charlie, you alluded to it too, but out of necessity, they had to change things around. And I don't think they looked that far from the team that they want to be. So, look, they're they're going to be in this hunt. It's going to be tough. Obviously, the results yesterday um, didn't make the race as fun for us as we would have hoped for with Valor dropping the full three, which we'll get to. But, look, there's a lot of things to like right now about Halifax. And 1-0 win on a game on short rest after an emotional come down. I don't think there's too many complaints there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Edmonton in a second, Marty. But... This, Halifax still got five home games. And I think yeah. when they play at home, things are very different. I mean, I know they haven't won all five, but, you know, they've been very good at home. They've scored a lot of goals at home. And they'll be confident if they can somehow get more goal scorers, which is what Adam alluded to, that they can get over the line here and and and, and really bring York down and, and get away from that fourth spot. But it does appear that that is, you know, an atmosphere. And Alan Koch talked about it afterwards that unlike many others, uh, that you're always going to know you're in a battle. And, and as I said on the broadcast, an atmosphere that fans know when the team needs to help carry them over the line, which they did in that second half as everyone took that big collective breath of fresh air at the end because we were all gassed. Yeah, well, I'm glad you touched on the home field advantage because I think that really is Halifax's secret weapon coming into the last bit of games because, you know, with Duval Morelli, if he's, if he's the only guy who could score goals for Halifax, then I really... I'm not sure if they're going to be able to better York over the over the rest of the right. season. So the the home field advantage will be important. Players do like going out there to play, but again, like I mean for Edmonton, that's 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 a big travel day, that's a big commitment even on even on that rest that they had. I know we're going to talk about them in a bit, but yeah, that's got to be Halifax's secret weapon. That's really what they've got to try to utilize uh, going forward. 
Halifax, 25 points from 19 games, played six wins, seven draws, six losses, just 21 goals in those 19 games. And as I said earlier, an eight-game unbeaten run for them. Um, you mentioned it, Charlie. Quote, in the first half, I thought we were well under control. I didn't really get troubled much, said Stephen Hart after the game. In the second half, I thought we started to move, move the ball too slow and in the wrong areas of the pitch. And they started to get into the game with a number of corners, but we defended well. The game basically turned to a second ball game where they became more direct. And they're good at that because they're big and strong. When that happens, they started to get more corners again. But they held firm, did the Halifax Wanderers. You mentioned it. Marshall did really well, almost in our team of the week. Didn't quite get there. Kurojanovic did. I thought he was excellent as well. Yeah. Um, shout out to Rampasad, I thought was tremendous yeah. in back-to-back games, by the way. He was very good against Montreal in, the, in midweek as well. One of the eddies, what was Alan Koch's theme after the game, Charlie, as you were talking to him? Um, just the first game in 11, second game in 17 days. So he was able to play the majority of his best players. Uh, but as he called it, a real suicide stretch coming up, eight games in 26 days uh, yeah. to follow that. And they don't really have that squad either. So this is going to be a big test for them. And it felt like a game where anybody who thought they probably had chances going into the playoffs, you're probably looking at their playoff chances being extremely thin now. Yeah, yeah I think I think that's probably the best way to assess it. You know, Edmonton's a team that has struggled for depth this year, I think, at a lot of times. And even when they do have a lot of rest, and they, they did have a, a fairly robust bench in this game, which, you know, was was maybe a bit of a nice change. But, yeah, they, they can't be too down on themselves. They've played some pretty good football recently. And I think that's maybe maybe not something that we've talked about as much as we should have. But they they have put some very good teams under a lot of pressure. You know, in this game... Again, you know, we talk about Halifax being in control in the first half and slipping a bit in the second. That's not entirely Halifax's, you know, doing because right. Edmonton made some changes at, at halftime. Uh, Easton Ongaro came out of the game for, for Genoa Sua, which is a very, very odd surpri- uh, change to see them make at halftime. But then Alan Koch did explain it at the end of the game. It was completely tactical. There's nothing wrong with Ongaro. He just wanted to move to, I think it was more of a 4-4-2 that they came out yeah. with. Azriel Gonzalez kind of moving a little bit further up the pitch and uh, alongside Tobias Roshevsky. And it seemed to work a lot better for them. I think Stephen Hart himself said that they got a lot more direct. And that's a very hard thing to play against when your entire team is completely out of gas. And I, I think it maybe was a little bit unfortunate for the Eddies not to actually find one of those goals. They had 11 shots in that second half, right? I think 18 on the whole day. And maybe, maybe we want to say that some of those shots weren't necessarily very high danger. And that's probably also a credit to Halifax's center backs, maybe keeping them a little bit to the perimeter of the box, keeping them from distance. But yeah, the Eddies had a lot of possession, a lot of good movements with the ball, just getting it forward as quickly as possible. And I think that's maybe the the biggest positive that they're going to come away with this. Last one on this game to you, Adam. We'll get to Marty in a second with the big clash of the nation's capital that he covered. But the Ongaro story was an interesting one. We were there at One Soccer when it's happening. When something like that happens instantly as broadcasters, we need to know why. Yep. So we already contacted the Red Hat. We're trying to get our reporter <laughs> on the scene to find out what's going on. Is he injured? Has he got any ice on his leg? We got that one ISO shot when you and Humi came back on. And like Ongaro was like, I don't know whether it was it had been in an argument or whether he was embarrassed or whatever, but his, his face was full of steam. Like he was yep. red, angry, like just not happy. Um, now, Charlie just really put it well there, and so did Alan Koch, that you can't argue with the results after with Ongaro on the bench. 
But when you take a player off in form like that, if you're an Eddie's fan, are you, one, questioning the method behind the madness, or are you kind of happy that Alan Koch is a bit of a leader that is going to do that kind of thing now to a team that might need to make big decisions like that if they're going to be contending in this league? Yeah, I almost would say, and I definitely don't try and put myself in the shoes of a supporter, especially when I'm not in the market, but I would almost appreciate it more because in general, I don't know that Alan Koch has put many a foot wrong since taking over this team. I don't think he's getting enough credit. Obviously, they're in the race for it right now, but you think about where they were last year and how the, I believe it was spring season 2019 where it sort of ended. And I don't mean to to come at Jeff Paulus at all, but I really think what Alan Koch has done with this group has been incredible. Uh, and even bringing in, you mentioned Gonzalez, you got to think about Adam Najem they brought in as well. Like they are irreplaceable now in that 11 and they came in midway through the season. So where might that side be without them? Uh, just to one Garo. Yeah, obviously it's a surprise. Hume and I kind of looked at each other surprised in the broadcast booth. And when you're right, KJ, when we're doing games remotely and we can't talk to coaches or really get a look at things over the break, like we need those ISO shots to be like, okay, quick scan. Do you see ice? Do you see crutches? Do you see physio with him? But no, you just see an aghast, almost in disbelief, Easton Ungaro. Like you want that in a player. You don't want the players to be like, oh, I'm out for 45. Like, that's fine. Just put my feet up and, and take the rest of the day off. You you want them to be a little bit ticked off that they're not playing. But I didn't mind the change. Um, it obviously wasn't a like-for-like like switch with bringing Genoa Sue on. But I don't mind what they did with that playing a little bit more direct. They knew Halifax was going to be tired. Um, I think that they were able to move the ball a lot better. I mean, I think they had something like... 10 or 11 corner kicks like the amount of set pieces the eddies had i think like they they should be a little bit frustrated to have not been able to score one but in terms of the tactics i think that's a sign that alan Koch knows this team really really well now and when you find the the dual tandem uh threat up top you don't want to to go away from it when it's working early but he's got to rotate he's got to make his changes and i think ultimately he he got it right and it almost came off for them yeah, the the, kind of, the, the counter argument is what does Easton have to do to to play? He's the all time yeah. leading goal scorer and he's in form. Like I, I don't know, I just think poor Easton. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, I don't he's, he's I don't entirely well. disagree with that, Marty. I, I yeah. just wonder if you think if you want to do something a little bit more direct and you don't want Warshevsky and Ungaro at the same time, do you not feel like you're getting a little bit better distribution and, and a bit more of an all-round play from Warshevsky out there and not Ungaro? I, I don't think that, that Ungaro was yep. poor by any means, but I, that's sort of where I lean to about what, what I thought was going on there. You did have a grandstand view, Adam, for a front row ticket for Ian Hume, striker extraordinaire, finding out that at number nine, losing 1-0 has been taken off for a right-sided fullback. I would have loved to have seen the steam coming out of Hume's face, let alone Eastland Ongaro, after a decision like that. I'm sure he was like just blowing his mind. Hume's amazing for a lot of reasons, but like <laughs> he, he doesn't try and show when he's like buff, like dumbfounded by something. There's a lot of hands on the head, or he'll be like he'll be thinking about something like this, like arms crossed, lean back in his chair. But yeah, he's a very animated guy. And you're right. Wow. He, yeah, One of the many funny. things I love about yeah. him, you cannot you cannot hide his emotions. You know no. exactly what it is, and that's what we love about him. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's being yeah. a good broadcast partner when he comes away from the mic, you know he can't say something immediately. I had to I had to give him a careful at one point in the broadcast. It felt like a dad. I don't want to call back on air what happened with the F-bomb, Humey, but careful, mate. Careful. <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh, talking of emotions running high and uh, what, what a story it was in Ottawa. Uh, Drew Becky comes back to captain Atletico Ottawa after at least a month away with health complications. Uh, not only captain the team to a win, 
But how about getting an early goal as well, Marty? You know, we all sit down and we've covered every game on our on our Canadian Premier League site this week, this, this season on the newsroom. We sit down and wonder how the, how the story is going to go here. Sometimes you start typing halfway through the game. Sometimes you type observations near the end of the game. Drew Becky scores early. I'd imagine you're like, oh, this kind of writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was written in the stars. It was written in the stars. The celebration was great. Yeah, uh, Ottawa win. Uh, three one. Um, they end this this insane unbeaten or this insane uh, 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 winless skid. Uh, for Becky himself, like you know, Mista in the lead up to the game, I asked, you know, he said he's going to be available. Like, what does he mean to this team? And he just said flat out, he makes the team better. And I think that's what exactly we saw on Saturday and what this team had missed. Becky himself, he he, he was pretty open after the game. And and for those who don't know, you know, he contracted COVID nineteen. Uh, in February, and he's obviously had those those heart issues that that have dated back in his career, and he had some complications flare up due to an exposure um, li- earlier this this summer, and it was a bit of a scare. And and as Janine Becky, uh, his his uh, his sister, who plays for Manchester City, and obviously Canada, you know, revealed like they didn't know if he was going to play again. He, he didn't know if he was even going to get that opportunity. So to come back and score in the second minute, we should also note just running the whole length of the field to tap that in. He said he said after he's like, I'm not that fit. I was like, you're fit enough to get. <laughs> up there uh, in the second minute and then maybe after that just be gas for the rest of the half but uh but yeah a great story and all around we should be talking about how he marshaled that defense against a cavalry team that had something like 18 shots second most corners or uh, second most crosses rather uh in league history i think they had something like closer to 40 it was it was wow. madness but ottawa held ottawa held firm yeah they did a crazy game cavalry had a lot to like about it we'll get to them in a second but Becky is a player and a man that this team needs. Yep. You know, you 100%. know, it's not a cliche. You just need good people. You said that <laughs> last week. Saying, uh, yeah, you know, crying out for leaders. Exactly yep. right. And I'm not saying that they don't have good people, but Drew is a different kind of person. He's a very special person, a good guy, and you can tell in these moments. And I know they gave away another penalty, but they're having issues <laughs> during games giving away. And Meester has said it, and he's broken English many times. He's like, you cannot always be sad on the pitch is basically his message saying guys get over it show resilience and when things go down we need leaders and that's what drew drew becky brings because he brings experience he brings leadership to that back line adam and when you called that goal you must have been aware that this is a pretty special moment in the canadian premier league 2021 season it was the first time that made goal call. I was getting so excited that I had to move the microphone away from my mouth so that I didn't blast our, our audio guy, Anthony's ears out. But yeah. It, and I knew like, I'm not going to say I knew that he was going to score a goal, but he just looked locked in from the get go, like the, the header away at the other side of the pitch. And you mentioned the comment about him not being in form Marty, but he, he booked it. Like he did not stop yeah. running. Oh yeah. And like that, and anyone who's played on turf field, CFL fields too, like the, the size mm. of them, he did not give up on that ball. And mm. I mean, you could maybe say that Escalante should have had a, his head on a swivel a bit more to pick him up, but Becky was always scoring that goal. And just, you talk about the, the intangibles he brings. It was little things that I would notice for me. I think that was the best I've seen Ottawa keep an offside trap throughout yep. the season like time and time again like you look and we go to those close call replays and the ARs had a tough match because of how close they were playing that but Becky has them organized there's there's no head down and when when um, I'm sure we'll just get to it in a second the Dylan Powley save I'm pretty sure Becky ran right at Sergio Camargo and like full screaming excitement energy like he was so 
into it. And it's like he didn't miss a step. So you, I think it's a great shout about leadership. That's what that team needs. It's always going to be a tricky balance. You know that they're going to have to have a lot of Atletico Madrid Academy players. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good luxury to have. But th they need those permanent... I understand the league. I understand this team and what this market wants. And then you build around that. And, and as long as Becky can move and kick a ball, I don't know how you don't re-sign him for perpetuity. Just, yeah. just to add, just to add. Becky to tweeted it. about it, right, buddy? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. So he 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 clarified he wasn't screaming at Camargo, but this, <laughs> but this, but this touches Christian on your point and Adams as well. Like you know, you talk about what he brings this team. He was he said he was screaming justice, yeah. justice for them giving up a penalty but not conceding somehow. Like you just yeah. imagine, imagine your captain screaming justice. Like, I'd be <laughs> Amazing. Freaked out. I'd be freaked out, but then I'd be, I'd be thrilled. Like, <laughs> to be honestly. fair, to be fair, at um, on Saturday morning at the same time, Charlie O'Connor Clark and myself were not in the same city, both screaming justice, justice. at the same time <laughs> as Bruno Fernandez's ball went to the moon. <laughs> It's so, still up there. It's still up there. It's in orbit. Yeah, still traveling. So both of us did that. We could we could definitely relate. But for one weekend only, Charlie and I were very much like Drew Becky, uh, shouting justice on a penalty call. Let's get to that. Uh, Tommy Wilden, careful what you wish for, mate. You've been dreaming of penalties all year. You've been wanting them. You play actually a really good attacking brand of football for the majority of the match. You get the penalty. And didn't you just know it? I kind of felt it. Here we yeah. go. Oh, we finally got a penalty. They could have had many of them this season. Should have in a few. And Camargo then gets stopped not once, but twice by Dylan yeah. Pauly, who in a moment definitely booked his spot in the team of the week, the Gatorade team of the week. It was a good week for goalkeepers, but I, how could I not pick this guy? Um, mm -hmm. Adam, when you call in a moment like that, that's pretty special, no? Two big saves, emotion. You could feel the crowd get behind it. And I was pleased for Dylan Powell. He's had a good season. Yeah, those are the ones that really make you wish you were there because you would be able to really tap into the emotion. But I I'm not going to say that I saw it coming. I thought there would be... It, it almost, I almost took the opposite route where as soon as Camargo went up, I was like, okay, this is a bit of, you talk about justice. This is justice for them for how well they've been playing and for yeah. how many chances they've created for themselves. But, and I tweeted this after the game, Dylan Pauly deserved that moment. I don't think he gets nearly enough benefit of the doubt, I think, when it comes to his record, because he's, he's been a horse for them. He starts almost every match. I think Obadal's had three, a couple in the cup, but, um, Dylan Pally comes in, he puts his head down, he goes to work, and he's vocal. His his positioning is great. He's animated. He moves the ball well. There's been a couple times where I've thought that the goal kicks, like the, those restarts have been a bit questionable. But just in general, Dylan Pally earned that moment, especially at coming um, against Cavalry. I think there, there's a little bit of like extra extra sweetness there just based on his past. Of course. Yeah. But mm -hmm. look, he, he deserved it. And I don't know that... If, if he's offered and the, and the money's right and he wants to stay, I think he's the, the future of that position in Ottawa. And I don't know why you'd want to take him out of the net. And it just felt like the relief and justice for the PK, but justice for Dylan Powley too, because th those were two amazing stops. And I, I was sitting for that because I was on, I think, hour three of broadcasting. But as soon as the penalty was like Kamar was walking up, I stood up and I'm glad I stood up because I Good was I was almost as animated as Dylan was. That's good. Yeah, another, another leader and another pillar that that team needs to build around. No question about it. So what of Cavalry, fellas? So has anything over the last four games changed your mind about this team, hindered a little bit of 
possibility of them becoming a team that can win it all? Or is it simply um, that tough stretch that we all knew that was coming? Bear in mind, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about this team at the beginning of August um, to the middle of, you know, to, to, to a few weeks ago, five wins and two draws from a seven-game seven stretch. They were the best team in form in the league. Since then, winless in four, knocked out at home in the cup, which is never ideal. Uh, but they are in the middle of this seven-game road stretch. They tried to change it up a little bit. They brought some freshness. They played to back four on the weekend. Charlie, anything you've seen here uh, that makes you question Calvary that you didn't over the last four games? They just seem a lot less efficient than they were maybe a month ago with the ball because they're still playing so well out of the back. They're always going to do that with you know the kind of the kinds of center backs that can move the ball so well. With with Klomp and, and Yao and and even David Norman Jr. who didn't maybe have his greatest game in this game, but yeah, they're maybe just not finding those same spaces in the box that they have in other games. Joe Mason obviously didn't start this game. Maybe that's that's part of it because he's been the finisher at a lot of points in this season. But they've had so many different looks up front, and it hasn't necessarily been able to get them into an attacking rhythm. But the thing with Cavalry that's that's maybe standing out to me, you know, Adam, you mentioned earlier that every CPL coach seems to have catchphrases by now uh, <laughs> with Stephen Hart. Tommy Whelan Jr., every time they lose a game, he basically just, he the way he, he talks about it is that, you know, Cavalry have won the league two years in a row yeah. in, in terms of the regular season, if we want to call a seven-game stretch at the Island Games, if we want to call that a regular season table as well. They've come first at in, in every other league table season, and they have zero trophies to show for it, right? right. And so every time Tommy Wheel Jr. speaks about these, you know, these, these mid-season games, if they lose or whatever, he's like, honestly, at this point, it's hard for us to to really, really care too much about where exactly we are at the table because we just want to win those two games at the end of the season. And, you know, every coach will tell you they're not looking at the table, they're, they're taking it game by game, but... I actually believe it with Cavalry. I think they actually have seen themselves, you know, dominate during the season and win the table and be like, well, we lost to Forge again anyway, so now what? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that they are going to have another gear that they kick into maybe if we get to the last few games of the season, but they're partic not particularly worried. I mean, the attack is a little bit inefficient, but I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd be particularly concerned about them just yet. Marty, what about you? I, I understand Tommy's point. All I would say is it's going to be really difficult with the, with the player format to win back-to-back mm -hmm. -back away games. Absolutely. Got to yes. it, it, I would imagine they'd want to play a home game here. Even if they can't get number one, surely you want number two. Because if you have to go, if you're going to tell me you're going to have to go through Forge and then Pacific, both back-to-back -back away games in a week, that can't be the best-case scenario for this team, no. surely. Yeah, that's kind of the kicker of what we've seen in the top three, right? Is now Pacific is, you know... The, they're not quite running away with first, but there's a big advantage in first. And you're right. There's a big advantage in second as well. But also to Charlie's point, like, yeah, I think, I think overall Tommy is, I don't know. T Tommy has talked a lot about, you know, when he talks about riding the Peloton was, was his catchphrase a week ago. And now it's something else. And in the week, it'll be something else, but it's about, it's about maybe they're having a drinks break on the they're currently having a drinks break in that bike ride. They're having there. <laughs> 
exactly, the tour yeah. to Canada. They're in a drinks break right now. Like most Pelotons bought in Canada, I'm sure it's going to be a, a weeks long, uh, a weeks long drinks break, and then you're going to sell it on Kijiji. Um, but like they, oh, can you sell Peloton on Kijiji? I don't know. Just hang um, you hang your laundry on it, mate. Like a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, it's I think I think you have to kind of just focus on trying to peak at the right time. But mm. something we should know from 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 Tommy from after the game was, you know, he, he didn't say explicitly, but, you know, he's made some decisions on the team that can take him forward out of this game. There were a lot of sloppy turnovers. It was it was very uncharacteristic of Cavalry. And I think his quote was Christmas came early in Ottawa. We gave them all the goals. You know, I and he, he obviously rested Nick Ledgerwood and Mason Trafford specifically. Um, but I got the quote here. Um, I got some really good answers today, uh, which helps in the grand scheme of things for how our team wants to play. It's not about winning the league table, as we know. It's about how we're going to do in the playoffs. So right. I think that has to be the mantra at this point for Cavalry. I think it's, I think it's really fair. The one thing I would – the two things I'll say is that, like, I do think they have another gear. They've got a majority of their last the, – the games yeah. next are going to be at home. I think six of the last seven or six last eight are all at home. Yeah. Here's one stat that I would counter that with. Teams that have won by two goals or more this season – Pacific, six games they've won by two goals or more this season. Forge, five games they've won by two goals or more this season. Cavalry, one. They've only, they've Every, only scored they scored multiple goals. Like they have, they've only scored one goal a game um, or less in what the last like six or seven games. Right, like even when yeah. they were winning. Inefficient so when they're winning. They are inefficient, yeah, back inefficient. to Charlie's point. That game, by the way, that they won by more than one goal was the second game in the bubble when they beat Ottawa 4-1. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Since, since then, I've lost to Ottawa twice. Um, so, yeah, not not, not, not necessarily ideal. Um, but, yeah, look, I do think there's another gear. I think DiChiara has got to play a bigger role in that system if he's going to play in that linchpin between mm, midfield yeah, and forward. Definitely. He's still getting his legs as well. Um, all right, let's move on to the nightcap heavyweight clash at Tim Hortons Field. I'm playing the role of Anthony Joshua was Pacific FC <laughs> as they lost a big heavyweight clash again. Uh, the fluidity of Forge put it too much in the end. I thought this was a tremendous a hell game of a of game. Football. What oh a hell God. of a game. It really was. Two teams at a different level, a different speed, a different tempo, pressing each other, trying to play through the press. A real different quality of match, uh, Charlie. Uh, but in the end, it has to be said, Pacific will have got on that bus after the game and gone, they beat us again. Lost four games this season and three have come to forge. And that's not ideal when it was their last time to try and play them before the playoffs. Your thoughts, Charlie, on this game as you watched what, was, what as I said, was a tremendous match. It really was. Yeah, I don't think Pacific have ever beaten Forge. No. Over three years. I, I, what is it, seven wins for Forge or possibly even eight? That was the eight, uh, I believe. Yeah, it is, it is a lot and it's becoming a theme. Is, yeah. Uh, a very, especially if this is to be uh, a playoff preview which it very well could be. But I was just so fascinated by Forge in this game. You know, the, the way they lined up in some formation that I have had trouble trying to explain, it was almost a circle, the way that they lined up, <laughs> with kind of every player just around the perimeter and then Kyle Becker and Paolo Sabak running everywhere in the midfield on their own. But yeah, Emery Welshman got his first start since coming back for this team up front. Moba Bully comes back and he plays on the wing. And it was... A lot of it was actually just completely out on the wide area, which isn't something that he usually does for Forge. But it was just fascinating how all of these players seemed to play in maybe four different positions on the night. Uh, the front three were kind of a revolving door. Welshman and Babuli kept swapping who was playing on the wing and who was playing up front. And just Pacific just couldn't track them. 
I think, for a lot of these stages because Forge just moved the ball so quickly. They as soon as they would win the ball, they would get it forward immediately, and all of the all of the runners off the ball were really causing trouble for Pacific. And it was just so hard to to stop their forward momentum. And I think even Bobby Smariota still would have liked to see them finish a few more of their chances. But just the way that Forge were able to get up into the attacking third with these quick little passes, little give-and-goes, especially along the wide areas, because these wingers were playing very close to the fullbacks. It was just fascinating to see how much how much energy they were able to bring to that and just how quickly they were able to get up the pitch, which was maybe surprising for a Forge team that, uh, you know, a few hours probably after that game had to fly to Panama. Yeah, they flew <laughs> a 24-hour yeah, flight. Yeah, right they flew Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. You could, I'm glad you mentioned it because I know there's not a lot of rotation because the squads are not that big, but to play that amount of top-class players yeah. before you get on a flight or before a Tuesday game, it was almost like they were like, yeah, Tuesday's important, but there's no way we're going to let Pacific beat us in a game yeah. like this Absolutely <laughs> because not. of the storyline. You know, so you mentioned the tactical versatility. Cissé at right back was tremendous. Again, one-on-one situations just just shut down Pacific's wide players. Ashinoni Janssen, again, you gave him out of the match. I thought it was right, Charlie. Plays in, in central midfield but drops into a defense. Again, was really good. Krutzen had a really good game. Becker played higher. And, and mm-hmm. by the way, a word on Kyle Becker because when the game... Adam, let me go to you. When the game is the biggest... He shines the brightest every time. Yeah, it, it's like Pacific didn't have a player like Becker that understood when we he where he needs to go, reading the game tactically to stand up, wanting the ball, go higher to cause problems. And I thought Hajabrapo did really well, by the way. I thought he was one of the best players for Pacific. But Becker is just a, on another level in a night like that, Adam. He is the flagship man for this league, and I don't think he's showing any signs of slowing down. The only player that I think the impact can't be or, or could be compared to is the guy for Pacific who's been out since before the Whitecaps, and that's Marco Bustos. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why I don't think I'm overly concerned. We'll probably do a little bit more Pacific talk in a second here, but no, Kyle Becker, like he's played the most minutes, the most matches in league history. And when you need that guy to, to smell blood and bring everyone else along, be like, Hey guys, weakness right there. Let's go attack this right now. Doesn't matter the situation, doesn't matter the country, doesn't matter the stadium. I expect to see that again um, tomorrow night. And especially with no Tristan Borges, he will need to be a little bit more versatile. Tristan being out on yellow card accumulation. Yeah. But look, yeah. Kyle Becker is, he is Mr. CPL. And I can't be convinced otherwise until someone over a long period shows that. Before we get to Pacific's role in this, you mentioned it. Let's touch on it. Live on One Soccer, 6 o'clock Tuesday night, CONCACAF League, second leg, uh, in Panama against Independiente. Um, Charlie, you did the game. Adam, you did the first game as well. First of all, I hope they don't get any lightning delays for you, mate. I don't know whether it's It's going to happen. Yeah, That's okay. The weather. (laughs) You know what? Maybe that might be a bit of karma because Independiente wanted to waste a bunch of time in the first yeah. leg anyway. And I bring yeah. that up because I think that was nothing more than a sign when I'm watching it of tremendous respect. No, mm-hmm. like here yeah. we are, CPL waiting for CONCACAF games. We've created the CPL. Now we've got our team in the CONCACAF games and a team who most people expect to progress come to play that CONCACAF league game in the CPL stadium and spend most of the game lying on the floor trying to waste time and get out there with a nil-nil. I mean, that's does that show how far we've come as a league and what, people respecting forge around the region absolutely uh, and the thing too is like that was their game they needed that one away goal they got a stop from their goalie on a pk and you thought like maybe that would energize them a la dylan Pauli, but 
they never like they had that early opportunity in the beginning where they were bailed out by an offside. But aside from that, I did not think Independiente looked all of all that threatening, to be honest. So I was a bit surprised to see the tactics really on display uh, in a game where the away goal would mean so much. So it's a reflection of Forge because they don't back down. Like they they make that hard for you to come in now. I, I almost wonder what the mood is like when teams get drawn up against them now. They go, mm-hmm. oh, there's this team in Canada that has a gorgeous stadium. They they play this tough, gritty, hard to break down kind of brand of football. And now we have to make the flight up to Canada. And I almost wonder if there's almost a reverse psychology going on now where it's no longer like, ooh, how's Forge going to do in CONCACAF? It's Forge should win in CONCACAF and they should have been in the Champions League this year. I think tomorrow, I don't want to say it's going to be a walk in the park, but they just need a goal. They can rotate a little bit and and slow it down in the second half should they need to. Um, Omar Brownie is going to be super fun now that he's back in the team playing against potentially if he's allowed. I'm, I haven't been able to ask Bobby about that yet if he's allowed to play. Yeah, I think he is allowed. He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Bobby yeah. said he is. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. then that's one more storyline, right? So I think it's Forge's night. And to be honest, I think this this is their year to really make a splash in this competition. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go really deep. This is where the eggs are in the proverbial basket. And I, I do genuinely think we need to start wondering if these Central American teams are going, damn, we have to go to Canada to play Forge. Yeah, it's tough. Why not? It's tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm all in for some more CONCACAF nonsense with Brownie getting the goal. Like, just like, yes. imagine like he has like the Panama kit under the the, uh, the Forge <laughs> kit, and he takes it off. But then he's got another one underneath that, and he takes that off as well. And he just shows he's got. First of all, I was Panama now, a Forge now, I'm Panama now. No, I'm not independent. And they're like, how did you hide wearing three shirts? <laughs> hey, you know, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Hey, he, he got the goal on the weekend. So he, oh, by yeah. the way, oh, he, yeah. he did look good too. He looked, he looked a bit of a different class, player. to be honest. He's a good player. When he came on, tight spaces, explosive. And um, I'm sure Pacific are watching on the bench going, oh boy, here we go. As if Forge needed another, uh, another bullet in the gun. They got they got Omar Brownie now. Um, what of Pacific, Marty? I turn to you. I uh, kind of feel like that your team at the moment. You picked them early in the season. You've been all over them. You were right from the start. Um, what did you make of this performance? Because I thought they were really good at parts. Um, but again, a little bit, I don't know. Is it that Chicago Bulls, Detroit Pistons stuff going on here a little bit from the, from the last dance? Like they can't beat these guys. If this game was at the palace, I don't know which team would be uh, the Pistons. This point. I, I think if the game was at Starlight Stadium, the result's going to be different. Okay. I think, I think this team, I don't know. I think there's like, I think it's the same thing you touched on with CONCACAF, um, Adam, you know, teams target forge and like you mentioned christian like they were good in parts but i think part of it is like you know you're, you're playing forge like you, you can't escape that and you can't get used to it because you know you play them a bit in the bubble obviously they had some very difficult games against forge in the bubble uh i think about the goal uh that kyle becker scored that big uh looping effort off of that uh off of the short uh, free kick i believe and that was a super frustrating game for pacific because they felt like they had a chance there this is a frustrating team for pacific to play and I think maybe they're just, I don't know. I think if I'm Pa, I'm thinking, okay, how did we sort of mentally lapse in this game? Why did we, why did we sort of buckle under that? Cause I think, you know, a player like Manny Aparicio, who's been in form, you know, I think he was pretty good, but you know, they're just missing a couple of those little moments that, that they could, they could score. Taron Campbell had that opportunity um, that, that really could have uh, really could have changed the match. Yeah. I don't know. I, f- I feel like if this game's on the West coast, it's going to be different and we'll see that in the 2021 CPL final. Bring it on. Wow. All right. <laughs> uh, there you go. That, clip that one. Um, you mentioned that that game in the bubble when Becker scored that goal. The other game that they lost 3-0, 
We have yeah. to remember that Diaz right. missed an absolute sitter nil-nil. And I'm a massive fan of his, but that came back to haunt them because Forge were on the ropes back then. They'd lost the yes. first two games. That was their first they... good good game of the season. I yeah, think. and then Forge came out and got those two, those three goals, including a penalty in 10 minutes, and ended up winning 3-0 in a game that wasn't anywhere near that. Uh, but yeah, lots of storylines as we get closer to the playoffs. Let's finish off our chat on the fourth game of the weekend and to York Lions Stadium, where the nine straps won from a losing position with Lowell Wright getting a brace. Important to grab a win particularly after Halifax had got the win earlier and also Marty because York have given away a lot of points during this run they've been on a tremendous run five wins five draws two losses since the bubble that's a fantastic run by the way losing two of 12 but during that run they've actually given away a lot more points than they could have done from winning positions so this time they turn the tables around get two goals from right in the second half and uh, Gutierrez, I thought, was tremendous coming on and making a big difference again, bringing that real pressing need to cause the, the turnover. Uh, but just goes to show you, this York team continuing to grow up in front of our eyes, Marty. Yeah, no team has quite grown together like York has, I think, across any season of the CPL. Because keep in mind, you know, the, the CPL winning blueprint has always been familiarity. And this team has, what, like nine or ten players that they've carried over, which is a considerable amount. But just but just how they have grown and how, like, you know, a game against Valor like this, this really changes the playoff picture. It really does. Especially with, you know, they've, I think we've got another game coming up against Halifax here real quick. You know, you you win that game and suddenly York is, like, far and away favorites for fourth. I think they've just they've just grown into it and players like Deity Nabzi as well, who had a, who had a lovely assist in that one. Lowell Wright is a player who's 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 been incredible this season. They're just growing, and and uh, and I think that's going to be bad news for Pacific, who will play them in the first round of the 2021 CPL playoff. But you already just put them in the final. <laughs> yeah. so. Make up your mind here. Yeah. <laughs> I said I said the semifinal. Semifinal. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. You just said it was bad. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, Charlie, no, I said, we we'll, we'll clip both. And we'll, wait. <laughs> You'll be right on one of them. It's yes, fine. Covering his bases. <laughs> covering <laughs> your bases. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Adam, what of Valor here? Because Phil de Santos had them set up well. Levi's gets the goal. I actually thought they played well in that first half. Levi's had a very good first half anyway, despite the goal. Um, I thought Pena played well. They brought a lot of pace down the width at wide areas. And then it just collapsed again in the second half. And as Marty alluded to, I know it was the first game for the Phil de Santos era, but this felt bigger than that. This playoff run that they're on, he came in, he said, we still believe we can make the playoffs. Um, he called you out for your shirts behind you during that time yeah. as well, uh, which is which was great. Uh, but yeah, we first of all, we need to get you a Valor shirt, but mate, behind there, so mm -hmm. Phil DeSantos doesn't keep doing that because he will bring it up again. Uh, but they didn't really show that to show a Phil DeSantos to him, that bite of a vampire oh, in the God. second half. There it is. I, I absolutely refuse to engage this dialogue anymore with the Twilight <laughs> thing. I'm, I'm Why not? Just gonna, no, I, I'm not in for it. I'm sorry. Uh, I will say, though, that York is sending me a kit. So they heard nice. me call them out on Twitter. So the, the kit's in the mail. So I'm just That's saying. That's how to do it, mate. You just keep mixing it up. There. Just keep changing mm -hmm. it over. Like whoever's playing that week, each other. Just, I would, I if, I had, if I had the kits, KJ, you absolutely can believe that I'd be rotating Get my this set. man some kits. The voice of the Thank CPL. You. Get yeah, him some kits. Absolutely. I, I, I do want to say, and this might surprise people. I think Valor should have come away with at least a point, maybe if not the win last night. Because the second goal is just a bad mistake. So if, yeah, if yeah. that doesn't happen, 
it's a completely different game. I have no idea what Raf Gallardo was doing at the end of the game in stoppage time when the ball was at his feet for three seconds. And I think he just literally had like a short circuit and didn't just turn and shoot. Yeah. They, they played a lot better than I thought they would considering the week that they've had. I'd never expected them to come out and have a convincing fully fluid and comprehensive new luck under Phil DeSantos after just a few days. I still think they're in this and maybe it's my pride going back and remembering when I locked them into the playoffs coming out of the kickoff. And I don't want to concede that I'm, I might be wrong on that, but I just, I don't think that York was as convincing as they looked yesterday and they they're trending upwards and that's really good. I still think they're on, on track for where Jimmy Brennan wants them to be, but it almost seems like because of the success that they've been having, that we've almost glossed over the fact that this was a team that couldn't hold out victories. And we almost saw that again last night. Time and time again, we've seen them collapse late in games. And I think we there were three or four opportunities for Valor yesterday who never stopped working, never stopped trying to find that, that goal to get them back into the match. So I think the race for fourth is closer than it looks. And look, Jimmy Brennan's got that team close to perfect right now. And they'll take the results where they can get them. I just don't think it's a sure thing by any means. Interesting take. 29 points for York from 20 games. Halifax, 25 from 19. They're four back with a game in hand. Ballot are six back with a game in hand on 23 from 19. Still a lot of football to be played. You mentioned it. York, eight games left. Halifax and Valor have nine. What a week for Valor if they are going to follow up with Adams a prediction. Back-to-back home games. Pacific at home on Wednesday and Edmonton at home on Saturday. Um, not going to call it must win yet because it certainly isn't. But boy, oh boy, do they need to pack some, get some points in this week, yeah. Charlie, for, this, have for to these win. games. Yeah. Got to beat Edmonton, right? At least try, to try, and get, try and get four out of six, do you think? That would that would go a very long way. Go a very long way. And I'm very, I am still fascinated to see how this team does look going forward. Because again, as, as Adam mentioned, it ha- only has been a couple days that Phil DeSantos has been the coach. Um, which is which is kind of an elephant in the room, but it is very interesting to see if they will be any different at all. I think they, I think there were some slight slight differences in the ways that players were used, or especially the substitutes mm. in that game on Sunday. You know, Moses Dyer came in and played a little bit further forward than he had in some of his recent games for Valorant. He looked really good. I thought yep. um, he came out with seven shots as a substitute. That's that uh, open pretty remarkable. Play goal is coming. It's just yeah. from the yeah. spot so far, but he yeah. he's he's close. They're, yeah. they're in a good they're in a good position because they've got a lot of players back, and I think mm. that's what people were thinking about Rob Gale. Adam and I did the game. They showed this pressing style against Cavalry, which turned out to be Rob Gale's last match that they hadn't done all season because they felt like they were probably going to gas their players. And now, okay, let's go and start sh- show this identity. Will Folder Santos stick with that? But you know, as we mentioned, they're getting healthier. They obviously don't have the key man at the back and Jean Baptiste Ricci. Is the, the, these are massive, big, big problems for this team. But other than that, catchers come back. They've got pro- Romeo's back from suspension. You know, Cabara's back, although made the mistake. You know, Rick Reyes has been good. They've got pieces there. You've got two number and... one goalies, KJ. Yeah, two number <laughs> one goalies. Yeah, exactly. You know, and Silva's been good. He was in the team of the week. Obviously, would like that pass back to to Cabara. So. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think that the, these teams are really close, all four numbers, four, five, mm-hmm. and six. And I think, you know, York, you know, their schedule is probably favorable as well in terms of some of their opponents compared to that, as is Halifax's. But this is going to be a good race, boys. Good race. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, should be good. And this week, the games in total are Wednesday night, Valor take on Pacific. Sorry, we'll do the first one. Halifax take on Ottawa, first from the Wanderers mm. ground at 5.30 Eastern. These are all live on One Soccer. Valor take on Pacific from IG Field. And a triple header concludes in Alberta once again as Edmonton at Clark Field host Cavalry in the Clash of Alberta. That should be a good one. On the weekend, more fun and action. Uh, Valor take on Edmonton from IG Field on Saturday. Uh, and then on Sunday, York against Halifax at York. Glen Stadium, another big game between those two. And the come on match of the week, Atletico Ottawa take on Forge after Forge travel back from Panama to go to TD Place Stadium. I'm um, a reminder go to campiel.ca slash predictor. You can pick all those victories and depend on who's going to win. You could win some points to get to the finals and you can yeah. come and see us there. We'll be partying in Pacific, according to Marty Thompson. Somewhere. We will um, be partying somewhere. We'll be partying uh, yes. somewhere. All of, all of us will be there at one point somewhere. We don't know where yet, but it's getting closer, boys. This mm -hmm. has been fun. Adam, you enjoyed yourself? I had a great I had a great time. I, I want to add quickly before we go, KJ. Please. Th this is a story that needs a lot more time to fully breathe and discuss, but the announcement that CONCACAF League or CONCACAF Champions League is changing in 23, we don't know where the two CanPL spots will go. Until that moment happens, and if they decide to say regular season winner gets that second spot, winner of the final gets the other, if that's the way they want to do it, I don't think I'm worried about Pacific losing to Forge again. I, I just part of it says <laughs> it's a team of destiny. Like when, like all bets are off if they make it to the finals, especially if it is at Starlight. And same with Cavalry. I think they're going to be okay. The top three is they're going to jostle. Forge might even win the darn thing at this point. Like I wouldn't put it past them, but yeah, I think that that second spot will make the regular season race a lot more interesting. Should they go down that route? But yes, yeah, sorry for detracting the outro. I no, no, it's mean. not the outro. You mentioned a great point because I think it's really interesting that that is probably the way the league will go. We'll see what they're going to do with those two spots. Um, but I've been a big proponent of two spots, two trophies. Let's yes. get this trophy yep. for the regular season winner and then a trophy for the cup competition. And Palmer Ducar, by the way, who might be on the end of that this year, was the first person who said that a long time ago to say that yep. Cavalry and Tommy Wielden Jr. should have had a trophy in 2019. Yep. Parr has said that many times yep. publicly yes. in press conferences. He's been very big on that. And not so if anyone starts saying, oh, Palmer Ducar saying it now because his team's winning, he <laughs> no. was very early on that case. Right, Charlie? You'll back me up on this? Oh, yeah. He's called Cavalry rightful champion several times. He has. He has. <laughs> Yeah, he's probably called the more rightful champions than Tommy Peloton Wielden. So, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, this has been fun. Gents, have a great week covering the games. Adam, we'll be hearing you on Tuesday. We'll be doing the coverage on campiel.ca as well as Forge go to Panama in the CONCACAF League. An enormous match for them. We'll be pulling for them. Uh, Marty and Charlie, as usual, will be covering all the games. And we'll be back, I think, next Sunday because Benedict was, is back to 2021 with a new mic. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully he's on the air for that, for his jokes, because, uh, you know, we miss him a little bit. But Adam was more than a replacement today. We, we appreciate your time. Adam, thanks again for your time and have a good cold Tuesday night, mate. My pleasure. It only took me name dropping this podcast on a broadcast to get me here. So I don't know what it's going to take for a return visit, but it was You're fun. welcome thanks for having me. You're welcome anytime. Marty, Charlie, Adam, this has been Christian. Thanks again, boys. Uh, enjoy the games, everybody. We'll see you soon.